promised you yesterday we'd be back. True to and order. we're back. And since then, two trades in the National Hockey League. Woo! Nick Kiprios, Justin Bourne, Derek Brandeo, once again, pushing all the right buttons. And Sammy McKee. All around for the next two hours. Here he comes, sprinting in. Oh, it was an early bathroom break. No, we'll see. No. I don't know. Something else. It's probably got breaking news. Two trades in the last 24 hours, yep. both involving Colorado. Can can other teams play in the trade deadline no. game? This is Colorado's world. Landeskog going a long-term IR. They're clearing cap space. They're about to get nasty good. We'll get into those trades uh Later on in the show, Frank Zaravelli, hockey insider, extraordinaire, president of hockey content, daily face-off. He's going to join us in about 15 minutes to talk about Colorado. And I don't know what the sense is. They're, they're big game hunting still. Yeah, you're saying that. More, 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 more than Manson. More than Manson. Okay. So we'll get into that. But the biggest story, at least for our show... And our Toronto Maple Leaf Nation, led by Sammy McKee. Eric Shilgren. Shalgren? Is it Shalgren? <laughs> Oops. I once, whose name did I get wrong in this show? And I was calling him Kalegren like <laughs> last week. You told me not to worry about getting someone's name wrong. You said, if he plays well enough, we'll have to know his name. That's on him. Yes. <laughs> it's on him to make us learn okay, his hold name. On, hold on. Sh- Sh- Shal. Shal. Shalgren. Shalgren. So that's a name that we could hear tonight during the game for two and a half hours or five minutes. Which one is it going to be? And the thing you got to remember, Lee fans, is that he's not a kid going in. This guy, JB, is 25 years old. Yeah. No, I know. Should help him. I guess. I mean, not a prospect by any means. Here's... I got a couple thoughts on this. Are we ready to launch into stuff here, or do we have more? What else you want? I don't know. Sometimes no. we introduce 30 people. and I don't know. Do All we right. care? I'm launching. Four goals are going in the net either way, boys. It doesn't matter who's back there. So Yeah, how many games in a row have we just, they given nah, up four? There'll be, there'll be four. So here's my thought. What's the damn plan if Shalgren plays well? Like, what's the point of him being in the net is my, is my question. If he plays well, are you going to, oh, we got something here, and talk yourself into mm, this guy yeah. and have him be one of your two goalies? Going to playoffs? I, I got to think right now. Not seriously. That's not going to be the plan. I, I don't think there is a plan other than just get out of the the same routine here. They're in a rut. Yeah. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but I, I told you yesterday the key for all of this is that they aren't under the gun here to make the playoffs. We're all in agreement. They're, they're not. Okay, so you've got 23 games left. To figure out your two goalies for the playoffs. Yes. yes. You, you've got twenty. You got a 23-game exhibition season to prepare I agree. for the real season. However, if it doesn't do anything, maybe it just resets Mrazic. The way you're talking about it, you're talking about it like Mrazic is going to be a part of the 23 games. To me, we are down to, is Mrazic going to be here or not? I mean, this says to me that they've made up their mora- their mind on Mrazic one way or another because they're not going to give him the last two games for the trade deadline, or maybe there's three, two or three games for the trade deadline to play himself out of it. 
So there's no chance now to go on a run yeah. and then and they go, okay, you yeah. know. I, I don't see your finish line at the end of the trade deadline. It's Even if he played well for three straight games, it wouldn't be good. I don't think he's going anywhere, and I don't think there's uh, – I, I don't think we're going to see – unless something falls out of the sky, I don't think we're going to see any changes in that. I just – can't imagine if they don't feel like they can play him now in game 60 something against Dallas at home. You think they want to hang on to him and have him on the playoff roster? I'm, I'm watching this week, uh, whether it's our show, TSN's show, or anybody else in between, and everybody's established the issue, right? Everybody can identify that the goaltending's. Horrible, but no one is coming up with any solution at all. Right. And Kyle's no different. He's sitting there going, tell me what is better than what we have right now. Cap space. Cap space is better than what you have right now because this guy is of no use to you. You can't use him. So why don't you have someone you can't use who doesn't make 3.9? Trade him with a pick that I know you're loath to give up for... I don't know, Vegmelka for... No, that's not happening. Okay. Yeah. Well, pick a name out there that you don't like, who was a 902 save percentage in the league. Is he not going to be the same as Mrazic, a guy you can't use, with cap space? I think your Shalgren now could be your uh, Vegmelka. Sure. <laughs> sure. Maybe, that, <laughs> maybe that's the plan. But then you don't need Mrazic, and he's got to go. So they've either made their mind up on him, and that might be that they've made their mind up he's staying and they just want to see, you know, just want to, I don't know, give him a break or something. But they've made their mind up on him one way or another if they don't want to see these games. I, I think they still believe that he could be way better than what he's shown. And Kyle said that. Better than on, the on, worst on, in the league? He, he said it. Sure. Sorry, I'm really mad at Mrazic. Yeah, I, I get that sense. <laughs> I just... Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has all that experience in the world, and yet you look at his numbers, and it's hard to, I think, convince even Kyle Dubas that he could come in and save the day right now. Yeah. No, I I agree. I don't think that Fleury is the solution also because I think he'll cost more than just sending Mrazic to the farm somehow. Um, Anyway, should we hear the clips from the people who know what they're talking about that aren't me, like Sheldon Keefe? Let's hear Keith on Shalgren getting the start tonight. Obviously, we felt really good about his, you know, his time in the net. The last time we were in this building, you know, we made the decision to to, to play Peter in the outdoor game, and I think Peter did a good job for us in that game. But you know, I think we we saw enough in the short time uh, in the net for us and his time in the AHL here to you know to give him an opportunity. Saw enough. <laughs> that was like a blink. That, that, that could be that could be the smallest sample size in the history of the game to convince anybody that this guy is ready for National Hockey League. I appreciate him trying to make it about Shalgren and not Mrazic, right? You don't want to be like, well, we just can't use the other guy. So. The guy is so bad. <laughs> what do you want us to do here? And we are so desperate that this is all we have. But they've also been impressed with a few things about him. So let's follow it up with what has impressed him most about Shalgren. Very quiet, you know. As you're saying, you you know you don't you don't hear much from him. He's going going about his business. Um, but you saw the confidence when he went in the net, you know, with no warning or heads up. All of a sudden, you're in there at a time when the game's not going well for us. And you saw the confidence there, and 
the piece that I might have been most impressed with that day is how he handled you guys after the game, how he handled the questions and, you know, for a guy to be dealing with so much and the excitement of going in there, um, he showed extreme poise and confidence in that moment. Uh, it's a big part of, of the position, <laughs> particular when you're a part of the Leafs and you're in this city. Uh, I was really impressed by that. So, um, you know, for all those reasons, you know, it just made sense to give him an opportunity here tonight. So the the most impressive by far, the way he handled the media. <laughs> yeah. So just hire him in the PR department. Yeah, Steve That's Keogh a sure thing. can hook him up as a an assistant PR or something. Yeah. I mean, great. Great. You know, I feel the, bad talking about Shalgren like this because it's not about him. This isn't about yeah. him. It's not. Sheldon I, did a pretty good job or a lousy job of overselling this thing. <laughs> I think he, he sold it appropriately. He did the best he could. To, how else do you trot this kid out and say, well, we think he's going to be the next one or whatever? I mean, listen, I actually think there's something to him. The goaltending that Keith has seen over the last two months, mm-hmm. he's seen some things. Let's just say that. Some ghosts. And seeing Shalgren go into the net for Mrazek, he looked like a normal big goalie for half of a game. Yeah, like not he, an hour. He wasn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't spectacular, but he was on his angles. The puck hit him. He looked like a normal goalie. I don't blame him for being like, look, look what the other guys are doing. This guy was big and he made some saves. Put him in there. Like, I actually think that that sample size is enough. For him to be like, I don't know what what the hell else you want me to do. I don't do. think it's enough. I kind of think all. it is. No, I don't. I think now this is Kyle saying, I am damned if I do, damned if I don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, think about, and again, you, you play two sides of ever, 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 everything. Comes in and wins the game. He's going to look really good, really smart. Right. Comes into the game, they're down 3 nothing at the 12-minute mark, and you got to pull this guy. You tell me what conversation are we having this time tomorrow. It's a disaster mm-hmm. if he gets pulled and he doesn't get out of the first period. Yeah. Like, where do you go from there? So I do want to clarify that at no point have I said, I think Shalgren's going to suck tonight. Like, I'm sure he, all these guys that are like around, you know, it's the top 62 goalies play in the NHL. It doesn't fall off a cliff when you get to 80 or the 90th bet. These guys can play. I think he'll go in and be okay. You're right, though. There's a chance it looks bad, but I don't think he's going to go <laughs> get lit. I just don't think he's a solution. He's, he he was, we, we had wall ahead of him in the depth chart. Yeah. This is their this is their number four goalie. But he okay. do us trust them all. Didn't he, didn't he say that? I'm just saying yesterday. that where, where is the mindset? Where's the temperature of the water? Where's uh, Leaf Nation, Sam, if this guy does not finish the game tonight? <sighs> Lost. I think Leaf Nation's already lost when it comes to goaltending. And now you're going to put Mrazek in against Carolina, the best team in the league next. Yeah, but he did, he did play against Carolina the last time, and he had a good start. So I think there's, I guess, some kind of Here's history the plus to look side. back on. That's his former team. Here's yeah. the plus side, and this is what I'm watching more than Shawgren tonight. And that is the 19 guys around you. 
rally for him. And how do you respond? And I think it was Craig Simpson who said the moment Shalgren came into the, the, the game the other day for his NHL debut was, okay, how do you protect this guy? And that's what I'm watching for the first five minutes. And I, I, I know 100% that that is the only conversation, that is mm-hmm. the only pregame message that Sheldon has to give the guys tonight is that we got to protect the hell out of this guy. So I, I want to see in the first five minutes how they act, where the pinches are, yeah. where the 60 or the 50-50 or the 60-40 either side, those those loose puck battles, Where where is your mindset? Are they going to look like they've looked all season long? Yeah. Or are they really going to look like a team that is protecting a guy that has never done this before. So I love this point. And for the points you're making, I think the Leafs are going to look awesome tonight. I think it'll be a no passengers night, right? Matthews isn't there. So you're, you're not just sitting around waiting for Matthews to get his two to carry across the finish line. You've got a guy in net that you fully have no idea what to expect. So you're right about pinches and guys rushing up in the play. Also, Riley's going to have an anchor for a game. Labushkin is going to, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, a guy to stay home while Riley can be a little bit more aggressive. So I feel like everything is shaping up mentally for the Leafs. Like they need everyone tonight. Okay. I'm scared now because you just told me that they're going to do it. And it was like, you didn't even waver. No. No, and we're doing the show tomorrow. And I'm we'll wavering. No wavering. The Leafs are going to be I good tonight. I think they've got... Minus 140, money line. I think they've got some bad habits yeah. that don't get cleaned up with the JB snap of a finger. I don't think so. No. No. <laughs> I, I, the habits are I mental, wanna see, though. I want to see seen some them signs of it. I want to see them tormented a little bit about what their natural feeling is to go, 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 yeah. fought with no stay, stay, stay. And even signs of that will be upside for me, and I would I would take that. I just don't think it's as easy as you just said yeah. that they're going to turn around and be that team that just protects the house uh, and and is with, with the feeling like they've done it all year. It, it won't come easy, right. but at least we can see signs of it. You know, we had stretches of hockey in the early season, maybe in November, where they were one of the better teams in goals against, where they actually defended pretty well. I know the goaltending was very good, but I think that worked hand-in-hand with the way they were playing. I feel like they have a sense for how to do it. Okay. Sammy, you think think we'll see that tonight? I have no idea (laughs) what to expect. That's why you're on the other side of the glass. (laughs) I literally just have no idea what to expect. It's every... Well, actually, I do know what to expect. Four goals in the net, because that happens every night. But I just... I think it could be a good wake-up call to not have Austin Matthews. But you know what else sucks? Not having Austin Matthews, who has been carrying this team. So I think it could be a wake-up call for Tavares, getting him up there on the top line with with, uh, Bunting and and Marner. But, man, I'm just... I'm feeling a sort of panic mode from Lee Station. Oh, it's, it's as bad as it's been Like I, I Station. And I have a uh, a button on my desk, the easy button, which I hit. Oh, that was easy. I'm hitting the panic button right beside it. <laughs> like, it's, this is panic mode time now because they've looked bad for a long stretch. They're not getting saves. They're not defending the front of their net. 
It's, the Le- this season started, Sammy, with people jumping ship on the Leafs, like fans jumping ship on the Leafs saying, I'm not going back after that Montreal season. Then they lured them back in, and the ones who only were kind of back mm-hmm. in, they've bailed again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could feel Leafs fans falling off and going, same old, same old. Um, I'm okay that this isn't end of April. I'm okay with this happening right now. Yeah. With 23 games to go. Okay. I am. Thank you. It makes me feel better. Because <laughs> it's a good point. It's You'd rather this now than the end of Well, that's how I feel about Jack Campbell. 23-game exhibition season to get your crap together. That's what I see. And, and it doesn't and matter how you finish in that. I would, I would probably feel worse for Leaf Nation if, you know, other teams had their crap in order. But they don't. They don't. There's a there's a lot of teams still with their own issues. How's Vegas doing? And it's a matter of who gets to clean it up first and where's their timing and injuries and all the rest of it. I just and I still believe that a Florida team may kick the crap out of the Leafs in a seven game series, but physically you mean they, yeah, physically. But Leafs can score. And Florida has trouble keeping the puck out of the net. Yeah, I'll take Leafs versus goalie Bob. But, it, you know, and it's it's too bad that this is going to be the first meeting of the season, March 27th, with both teams Tail in the second, the second on the half of the back-to-back. But okay. we got time for one clip, Kipper, before Which one? Frank. We got uh, either Labushkin or Tavares. No, we, okay. I, that's what I was going to go to. Okay. Sam, you mentioned uh, the, the new line. Tavares gets bumped in to the number one line with uh, Bunting and Marner. And we'll get uh, Keith's thoughts on Tavares and the uh, expectations tonight. Yeah, we'll see, man. You know, two guys. I don't think we talked about when he was, you know, playing with, you know, whether it was Robertson or, or Kasia or Willie when he's at his best. Like, those two guys are going to move their feet. They're going to be involved. They're going to be engaged in every puck and every play. Um, so that's going to put John on offense a lot more. And... You know, we'll, we'll see the impact that he has. But I know that any time we've played without Austin and John's been in this spot, uh, he's been terrific for us. Uh, so I would expect nothing less tonight. I think this is uh, going to be a breath of fresh air for JT. It has to. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. Yeah, you recommended it yesterday that he he take that spot. Well, the Marner thing, we know him. The two of them have worked uh, well together. Marner on his wing was the year he scored 47 times. What I thought, I thought two things from that Keith Thick, uh, clip. One was the throaty way he threw out terrific. He really liked Tavares <laughs> playing with these guys. But the other thing was that he's going to play on offense a lot more, which I think is intentionally or not a, a dig at the line he's been playing at on with Willie and whoever's been on the other side is that they're not playing on offense very much. They're spending as yes. much time in their own end. And with Tavares, that's, he's not useful in that role. So this is a spot that plays to his strengths a little bit more and hopefully he can get his mojo back. I think when you look at the Leafs lines, after you take out one of the top two, you could say that about a lot of teams, but it just gets a little scary with the, that's what happened last year with the, against the Habs, you know, you lose Tavares 10 minutes into it. You lose Matthews to a suspension here, and then you look at this lineup, and you got Kerfoot sec- second line center. All of a sudden, bit of a wake up call on that front. I got to tell you, I heard from more people in the NHL yesterday. Two people, not name you, uh, who think that Marner should play center. Thank you. Really? Oh, yeah. No, I'll, I'll go one step further. I would go 
Nylander at center before Kerfoot in the second hole. Yeah. Well, they've tried will... that a few times. Doesn't go very yeah, but well. Willie's yeah, a no, man no, no, now. No. Now Willie's twenty-five. He's not new in the league. Uh, go Nylander or Marner, and I would prefer Marner. Me too. To go uh, second uh, centerman, and they're both. They've all they they grew up playing center. So yeah. that's their natural position. Both those guys. He's and, just so good in traffic. It puts him in traffic more. I would say even Nylander more because this guy is in desperate need of engagement, of engagement a new responsibility. Grab him by the, the by the collar, drag him into your office, Sheldon, and say, "Listen, this is you now. We need you. This is your new responsibility. Two hundred feet back in your own zone. You've played center before. This is a new assignment." Marner, you can put him anywhere. He's going to be the engine. I don't. You don't worry about Marner. It's Nylander that you got to get going. I would have him at center and put Kerfoot on the wing. You're right, and they're wrong. I agree. I think that's exactly what you should do. He, he needs that kick in the pants. I think that like would be a, some mental awareness where you're in a new spot on the ice and it pulls you back into the game a little bit. He's not... You know, points aside, because I think he's got, I don't know, five points in his last three games or something, He's he needs a little something more engagement-wise. Okay. Frank Cervelli is joining us now, Hockey Insider, president of Hockey Content on Daily Faceoff. You're a busy guy, and, uh, well, should I say, maybe not as busy as, as we thought this late going into next Monday. Just two trades, both out of Colorado. Frank, let's get your thoughts. Yeah, I think it's uh, certainly a busy time for all, though. I mean, you think of the number of calls and and, uh, and not just that, but conversations. There's a little bit of uncertainty that exists with a number of pending unrestricted free agents, sort of touch and go at the moment. Hampus Lindholm and Danaheim Ducks, you know, Tomas Hurdle, the San Jose Sharks. There's still a little bit of drama in terms of uh, who's staying, who's going, and I'd imagine that'll be sorted out in the next 24 to 48 hours. Or or Friday, Saturday, like no. is, would it go that late for a guy like uh, Hurdle? It could. I would imagine teams would like to have the full weekend to really make that you know determination in terms of being able to fully gauge the market. Not that a team like Anaheim hasn't already begun engaging in calls to gauge interest in in Hampus Lindholm, and there's a couple of teams that have already presented themselves um, with Lindholm being num- their number one target on the blue line. But I, I just think it's it's healthy for all. It's helpful to all to really at least, you know, players in the right frame of mind. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of the sting out of maybe what's to come, I would think. And for the team's perspective, it also helps you ensure that you're getting the best deal possible. For sure. Uh, Frank, obviously, Leafs show here, Leafs focus. Um, you know, what are you hearing that the Leafs are sniffing around on? Just to throw out the couple names that we hear most commonly, could it be Sherrod uh, and, uh, and Giordano? Is there anything else I'm missing there? On the defensive end, no. Um, I, I haven't actually heard Sherrod's name too much connected to the Leafs. Okay. I think um, that's, you know, I think, he's probably my guess a little bit further down on their list in terms of players that they'd like to target. I think Mark Giordano would be pretty well supported in terms of being on that list. Um, You know, I think even at his age at 38 with how he plays, um, he may have lost a bit of a step, but 
is so efficient and smart in the way he sees and thinks the game that he never really gets himself into trouble. His risks are really calculated. And I think that's something that the Leafs would need and appreciate is, you know, you need, if you're making a transaction and you're going to be giving up something, you need to have some level of certainty, some degree of certainty that it's going to work out. And I think the confidence factor that comes from someone like Giordano is, it certainly helps. And the other part of it, though, is what do you do with the goaltending? It's going to be interesting to see tonight how Shalgren, you know, makes his, how he looks, what's his confidence level like as he makes his debut. If you could just take a little bit of the heat off, not that he will do that as a, as a rookie netminder on a long-term basis, but to just change the conversation for a few days, to not have it be so focused on goaltending, I think to turn the temperature down would really help. And I think, Oddly enough, you've seen Miko Koskinen do that in Edmonton. The temperature is way down from what it was, you know, three, four, five weeks ago. Maybe the reason why the Edmonton Oilers haven't uh, traded for another goaltender and now in a position to kind of give the, the puck back to Koskinen is because they didn't see better solutions. There wasn't anything out there. And Mark Andre Fleury is the name at the top of the list, Frank. But outside of that... Could it be that the Leafs in Edmonton do nothing at all because there just isn't a good enough plan B out there? Well, I think that's the determination the Oilers have made. They've gotten to the point where they've said, okay, uh, Jonas Corposalo, or you know, even when he was available, I guess, previously to the Hudobin injury, Braden Holpe, or pick, pick a name on the list of, of goalies that have been out there, who really gives you, you know, I just talked about a confidence factor on the blue line. Who gives you that security blanket where you can go to sleep at night and you say, man, I feel really good about this decision. And you look at some of the guys out there, Thomas Grice, or like, go down the list. They, they all have very comparable numbers to what the Leafs and the Oilers already currently have in net. Why would we give up assets to get relatively similar goaltending. And that's, that's really, frankly, the issue with the position more than anything else is the uncertainty factor. Um, I think there's one exception to that rule, and I think that's Marc-Andre Fleury. And I think the problem with Marc-Andre Fleury we've talked about a lot is two parts. One, he needs to be on board and needs to be convinced that that's the place first and foremost, more than market or anything else, location, is does he have a realistic chance to win? Does he feel that with the Edmonton Oilers? I don't know. I can't answer that. But I would imagine that if, if, he, if that was his number one priority, he would probably feel a little bit more so like he has a chance to win with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, you know, is he on board? And then the second part of it is, what's the acquisition cost? We know the Blackhawks are looking for a first-round pick. Are they going to get it? What happens if the Leafs are the only team still standing? Let's say the Oilers have decided, point blank, we're not doing anything with our goaltending. That sort of leaves the Leafs, the Caps, and the wild card is the Vegas Golden Knights on the goalie market. If Washington is a no and Vegas is a no and the Leafs are the only team that's a yes, can you maybe get him for less than a first-round pick? Can you make it a second? And if that's the case, is that something that the Leafs would have to consider if it got to that point, if you're gaming it out? 
Well, that will be exciting to follow along with. Uh, there's another Canadian team that is very exciting with all their potential directions they could go, and that's the Canucks. What, what, like, what's the Canucks story right now? Three points out of a playoff spot with a game in hand on Vegas, a ton of contracts coming up, new brass. You know, what, what direction do you expect the Canucks are going to take? They're another wild card when it comes to the deadline. I mean, when you look at it from a 30,000-foot view, the only player that they really have to make a decision on is Tyler Mott. And they view him as an important part of what they're trying to accomplish this year and in, in trying to get in the playoffs. The math is still it's still daunting. Like it's they they probably have a 1 in 5 shot, maybe a little better than that to get in. But what's happened is Vegas plummeting in the standings has really opened the door. You know, the math was not looking good, frankly, for the Oilers, you know, a week or 10 days ago. And and it's changed drastically with Vegas, you know, sort of their season swirling at this point with all their injuries, almost $40 million on, on the shelf for the Vegas Golden Knights, that it's given Vancouver, I think, a little bit of pause. What do you, you know, if you're not getting something special for Tyler Mott, meaning if you're not getting a second round pick, are you better off keeping him? I think they've re-engaged a little bit in conversation with Mott's agent this week. And then the other part of what the Canucks have to do in terms of their salary cap picture and their stated goal of really increasing cap flexibility at this deadline, the other part of that is someone like Brock Besser, who's due that huge qualifying offer in the summer at seven and a half million bucks, you know, you don't really need to address that if you don't want to until the summer and really dig in on negotiations and, or if you're going to trade him, move him to another team when every team can be involved and not just mostly the non-playoff teams um, because of the cap hit, you know, it's possible. Um, So, you know, you look at it and, They've got a bunch of interesting decisions on their hands in terms of where they go. How do they create meaningful cap flexibility? That's the question. Brock Besser is unattractive to other teams for the same reason why Vancouver wants to trade him. It's a $7.5 million on a qualifying offer or else you lose him in two years to unrestricted free agency. And that is a dilemma. It's a good contract that he signed uh, because it was back-ended, and he, at the time, thought he would avoid some escrow. But it's it's not helping Vancouver right now. Well, I don't know that I necessarily buy that in the sense, of course, the, the premise is true, but it's not a hindrance if you really are a believer in Brock Besser and you want to sign him to a long-term contract. Just because that's what the qualifying offer is doesn't necessarily mean that he needs to sign for that. It's really just a chip for the Besser camp in terms of negotiation. So I, just pick a team, a non-playoff team that could really use some scoring punch. If you wanted to sign Brock Besser to a seven-year or an eight-year deal, if you're able to get him you know, at a number that's lower than that and you're willing to pony up the term, then it's not really that much of an issue But the question is, and it's the same question the Canucks have been asking themselves over these last number of weeks since their regime change with Jim Rutherford and uh, Patrick Alvin is, are we comfortable paying Brock Besser a number in that range? And if not, if we have hesitation or, or question marks about that, 
then we probably need to move on. And I think that's where they're at. This is a guy that's come alive under Bruce Boudreau, but the question has always been about Brock Besser when he's not scoring, what else are you getting from him? Mm-hmm. And, and that's been the big sticking point is, is that player, that type of player, he has a special set of abilities or skill set. Can, can you squeeze the most out of him? And are you willing to do it long-term? There are some question marks, as, as we had mentioned, with uh, Hurdle and his contract uh, situation. The same thing with Philip Forsberg. As you go into this week, Frank, I see one legit top six that we know is out there and that will move, and that's Claude Giroux. Uh, number one is, am I missing someone else besides him as a, as, as a true top six guy? And number two, the sense is that he wants to go to Florida and not necessarily Colorado. I don't know that to be 100% accurate. I think he's interested in Florida. I think there is some intrigue in Colorado, and you watch them again make another move today. The key with the transaction yesterday for Josh Manson was getting Anaheim to retain. They clear another million to five in space today in trading Tyson Jost. They're gearing up for something big at the forward position, and my guess is that it doesn't include or involve placing Landeskog on LTIR for the balance of the season in order to make that happen. So I think they're very much in the hunt. Um, I, you know, I think there's always trepidation when you have a legitimate top six game-changing forward. By the way, you take the shackles and of expectations off of him from Philly and you put him on a team that's already revved up and ready to go that you just let him go and and enjoy the success. But I think when you're in his position, there's always some sort of trepidation of how will I fit? How will I be used? Will I be on this power play? Will I be on that line? And when you have this type of full no move and veto power, you'd be foolish to not go through the exercise and think of all the different permutations and possibilities. You don't want to get lost. At the end of the day, this is still a contract year for you, and you want the best chance to win, and you also want the best opportunity and fit for yourself. I think St. Louis is an intriguing option. Um, St. Louis, Calgary, they have as good a chance as anyone in the West to potentially try and knock off Colorado. Um, And I, I wonder about two teams in the East that I don't think the Flyers would be interested in dealing with but stylistically would be an unreal fit for Claude Giroux. And one is the New York Rangers and two is the Boston Bruins. Um, Again, likelihood chance, you know, very low that it happens, but could you imagine plugging that player onto those rosters? Um, It it would really be a a great fit. Uh, So those are some of the, the ideas, the chatter, And in terms of other legitimate top six players to really plug into your lineup, like it it kind of just depends on the eye of the beholder. Like, do you view Max Domi as a top six? Do you view Arturi Lekkanen as a top six? Like I view those guys as middle six. Um, You know, that's sort of how the hurdle is the other top six. I mean, that's, that's sort of yep. Brandon Hagel. I mean, that's the type of guys that we're talking about. 
There are a couple of guys that have my attention, you know, just looking around the league for guys that could help the Leafs. Um, I'll throw a couple names out there and maybe if any of them catch your ear, or if you heard anything about them. Um, I like Nick Paul. I like cop in Winnipeg. I like Mott in Vancouver. And I like, I actually like Austin Watson, Ottawa. Any of those names uh, sound like names that would potentially be on the move in the days ahead. Um, well, Paul for almost for certain, like yeah. I think there's a chance that he's a asset protection guy out of the lineup on Wednesday. I think there's been very little contact uh, between the Sens and the Paul camp. And, you know, they made an offer back in January that just wasn't really close to what the Paul camp was looking for. It was three years times 2 million. And they've never really been able to bridge that gap since then. Wow. Um, You know, I guess when you name your players, Mott, Paul Cop, I guess we now know what the, uh, the Justin Bourne oh, archetype yeah. is. That, we, we know what's my bottom after. six. <laughs> we, we, well, yeah, you're, you're, you're all, you're after a little bit of a different element to add to a group. Um, this isn't, I have a guy for you that is fits your same type of archetype. Okay. That is going to be added to my trade targets board. As soon as I can get off the phone with you and continue typing is Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings. His name was out there previously last summer, but I'm told the Detroit Red Wings are, quote, open for business. Um, Bertuzzi has had a fantastic season. A team described Bertuzzi to me today as incredibly annoying and, quote, less skilled version of Brad Marchand. I think that's probably pretty fair. Some people would say that's a backhanded compliment. I would say that Brad Marchand has turned himself into an elite player in this league, and that is quite the compliment. What do you that's think, an interesting Cameron? name. Well, could he come to Canada? No. Well, uh, that's the only thing is he can't probably can't come to Canada because right. he's one of two yeah. active players that remains unvaccinated and has, in fact, put up career numbers without playing nine games in Canada this year. One more, Frank, for you before we go, um, and that is maybe arguably the biggest fish out there, uh, at least for me, uh, Jacob Chikrin, and the fact that uh, he's out, I think, uh, anywhere between two and four weeks. I talked to some teams, and they say, yes, that, uh, that will affect what happens this week, and others say, no, not so much, but uh, wanted to get your thoughts on, uh, on Chikrin. In theory, Kipper, this injury two to four weeks should not impact any sort of transaction because if you are trading all those assets just to get Jacob Chikrin for one playoff run, like you're kind of missing the boat. I would think it's a long, long-term view three years remaining on a deal that would make it a much bigger transaction. Um, to me, I have always been very skeptical of, the Coyotes moving Jacob Chikrin. I know the interest has been there. Clearly no one to this point has stepped up with the package, at least in full that Arizona is looking for else he would have been moved. But this is also one of those situations where his name has hung out there so long. And for a guy that did not raise his hand to say, I want to get out of Arizona that he's had enough of the losing. He, he actually by all accounts really likes it there why has this continued on for so long? I mean, I, I get the Coyotes being in a spot where they have to pick up the phone and answer when 
anyone's calling on just about anyone. It's just created a really awkward dynamic right now. Like, how do you, if he remains with the team moving forward, how do you put the genie back in the bottle? I mean, I guess they've been through it a couple times with Oliver Ekman Larson on their back end of late, but it's, it's an interesting situation, and I, I don't think the injury has helped things, so to speak. I know one thing for sure. Arizona's asking price will not come down because of this injury. Well, and nor should it, like I said, because it should just be about yep. the three years remaining on the term, not a two- to four-week window that you know gets everyone's attention. Well, let's hope Colorado woke everyone else up for the rest of the week, Frank. Yeah, no doubt. It's going to be busy either way, guys. Thanks for doing this, Frank Saravelli. Yeah, we appreciate your time, Frank. Daily face-off. All right, we're going to pick up this conversation. We also have Gary Galley after the break. Mm -hmm. I want to get into the Leaf uh, deep hair and uh, Labushkin. Yep. And the rise of him and the responsibilities now to be paired with Morgan Riley. And before we leave, I'm going to do uh, the producing of the show and tell you that uh, Sam's got an amazing contest for you. Good job. (laughs) Tyler Bertuzzi. <laughs> Sammy. Oh, Kipper. Yeah, we do have an amazing contest. Uh, Molson Canadian Rivalry Train. We've been talking about it all week. Two tickets to see the Leafs play uh, the Habs on Montreal. In Montreal. On March 26th. God, you'd think I'd be good at three by now. Plus a round-trip train ticket. The train's the best. Toronto to Montreal in a one-night hotel accommodation. What you have to do is listen to Real Kipper and Born for a daily password. Enter it online at our contest page at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Today's password is Marner. Mitchie Poo. It's fitting that Marner. there's a train and the engine Marner is oh, the code word. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and this contest runs through Monday, March 21st, and you got to be 19 in Ontario to enter it. So there you go. Nice.